we're not affiliated with Netflix. Welcome to Kidflix, the podcast where adults try to definitively rank every kid's movie ever made. I'm your host, Ross Wiseman, and this show is not for kids, so turn this off and yell. Yell a lot. Um, <laughs> so my guests today, yes, I, I kind of fell off the bandwagon with uh uh, uh, episodes lately. I've been going through a time, but the time is over and the time has come to discuss uh, the not hit 2010 film Furry Vengeance uh, <laughs> with the crew uh, from Channel KRT. Kit, Randy, and Tyler are all here. How's it Hello! going? Hello, it's good to be back. And I'm a little, I'm very, you know what? I'm just going to say it. Beesbo was way better than this. Yes. Uh, I, oh, yeah. I just I just watched Furry Vengeance. How do you think I'm doing? I would rather... Bo at least has plenty of good memes to go about it. And for, for the listener, uh, last year we talked about Beesbo's adventures with Ross on our podcast channel KRT. And it was an adventure. And... It's an adventure I wish I was watching in Yeah, retrospect. so it's it's a great example. It's one of those um, movies that seemingly only existed in, like, Vines and YouTube poops for years, and then you find the full intact video from 1986 or something, and uh, it's a movie about teaching kids manners using the framing device of, like, an alien that doesn't understand human behavior. Ham which... and cheese, fuck! <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say it's an alien so much it's um, that one Ross Perot kid from all that. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah, uh, somehow his ears are smaller than that Ross Perot kid. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so uh, we're talking Furry Vengeance now. Uh, I, I forget who pitched Furry Vengeance, but um, it was why? It was me. Yeah, what what's up with that? Why would you do that? <laughs> so I guess I'll get into my history with Furry Vengeance. For me, this movie is the go-to, definitive, everything wrong with kids' movies from 2001 to 2013, because this has fucking everything. It has poop jokes, fart jokes, shitty slapstick, a frustrating plotline, actors who are too fucking good for this shit. And it's worth mentioning... This movie was in development as far as 2004. What? Which is yeah. always a good sign. Holy yeah, shit. so this movie was in development for a long time. Originally, it was going to have Steve Carell play the main actor. He couldn't do it. So instead, we almost got Samuel motherfucking Jackson himself. <laughs> I think and then he, the and he time. And then he said, fuck it, I'm too good for this shit. So he was in hey, the let's, hey, Brandon Frazier. And, and and so then they just said, fuck it, Brandon Frazier. Good. So my one exception to the rule of developmental hell always kills a movie, I swear, is Frozen. Because Frozen was literally in development since after Snow White. Well, also the the Emperor's New Groove kind of was when you think about it. And also- Oh, yeah. Well, we talked about that a few months ago on the podcast. And Emperor's New Groove, it was a whole different thing. Uh, we talked about that. Kind of like with Tarzan, they hired Sting to write a bunch of original songs <laughs> yes. for the movie. And you know what it is? Yeah. It's because there's a difference between aging whiskey and wine or leaving a jar of mayonnaise out in the sun. <laughs> let's mm. be real. I've never heard that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that. Let's be real. This movie should have just been canceled altogether because good God. 
Yeah, so I guess we'll get into our relationships with the movie real quick. Uh, so I was in eighth grade. I was in seventh, eighth grade when this movie came out. And I remember we had a movie day where our teacher said, hey, let's show you guys this fucking movie. You're, you're basically still kids, we guess. And even during a period of time where I was... You know, I was still watching the Disney Channel, and I still thought some of those shows were good. And even as a fucking 13-year-old who didn't know better, I thought this movie was complete dog shit. Yes! This yes. coming from the same kid who, a few years earlier, thought Reanimated was one of the greatest fucking movies ever made. Oh, man. When I was 14, this movie came out, and I, even at the time... Well, to be fair, I was starting to go into my I'm discovering reviewers phase. I'm discovering Spillcom and some other reviewers and some edgy kind of stuff that's kind of edgy in hindsight. But anyway, I was starting to realize maybe movies can be bad. And this was the first time I looked at a trailer and said, oh, I can't wait to see reviewers rip this one apart. Yeah, it is. For- a, a very startling movie. And I think, because uh, Tyler, I think you and I are the same age. Yeah. And I I have a similar memory to that of just seeing the trailer and being like, this definitely doesn't feel right. Like, because there's a point where you watch the trailer or start to watch the movie and you think, okay, this just like isn't for me as in terms right. of my age group or something. And then as it goes on, you're just like, just wild choices that the movie and the the filmmakers are making where you're just like they clearly lost faith in the material and whatever and they're just throwing whatever at the wall and it's just uncomfortable i gotta say and this is a little bit of a tangent here but that's all what we do on podcasts well yeah that's fair (laughs) but (laughs) well I, i really have to say that this movie, and I guess Hollywood in general, really put Brendan Fraser through the ringer in the later years of his career. God, yeah. He... Yeah, this is definitely a low point for him, because this is 2010, and this is kind of about the time where people were just like, we don't know what to do with him. He had all this great stuff, and like this is uh, you know, right around the time, like I'm looking at his Wikipedia, and... If you could call this a big release, this is kind of one of the last big releases that he has for years. Yeah. Like, I, I really, I know the nut job as a movie that exists, but I couldn't tell you anything about it. I completely forgot he was in the nut job, honestly. I forgot <laughs> Will Arnett was in that movie, and he's the star of it. He's the titular <laughs> nut. Spe- Speaking of forgetting, um, I don't have much of a history with this movie other than like I just remember the commercials for it and then forgot about it for years. But when I was watching it, so like, you know, not to kind of, you know, jump ahead to the start of the movie, no, but um I saw at the beginning there was an iPhone in it and I was like, iPhone, didn't this co- why is there an iPhone in it? Didn't this come out in 2005? <laughs> so I checked and I was like, 2010? Yep. <laughs> I could have sworn. I could have sworn this was from 2005. This movie feels like fucking 2010 in a nutshell because that was a pretty bad year for movies in general. Like, it was around the time where there was just bomb after bomb after bomb every week. And we'd get some good things. Like, of course, we'd get Megamind and the 
social network and scott pilgrim and what a collection of movies that you just listed (laughs) (laughs) and then we get shit like this in between because it's the end of the 2000s let's figure out what the hell we want to do with cinema before marvel and everything starts on the rise i guess yeah well and, and randy brings up a good point that like this movie feels really older than it is at the same time like not in terms of there's timelessness but it's just this weird like pale and tan era i feel because like between what 2006 and 2011 i feel it's just not a great time for anything like studio comedies are falling to the wayside after a very slight bump in like 2009 um it's we're kind of seeing the rise of like movie stars leading every single movie uh and it's it's very cynical because this is also 2010 so that kind of makes me think of a certain era of like internet discourse like god when youtuber was an actual like viable job yeah exactly uh, yeah like i i I can almost hear the nostalgia critic doing whatever he fucking does and just (laughs) looking at this movie and saying in 15 years when i'm still relevant and uh, that never happened yep (laughs) i mean he's relevant but not for the reasons that he thought Woof. Yeah. <laughs> Woof indeed. And speaking and going back to Brendan Fraser, watching this was making me think, you know what's a good movie that has Brendan Fraser and animated forest animals that are involved with slapstick? Back Looney Tunes back in action. I could be watching yes. that right now and I'm watching that this shit. movie. That fucking movie deserves so much better. It is a Yeah, masterpiece. that movie that all the cartoon adaptations with with uh with Brendan Fraser that aren't George of the Jungle. Don't get me wrong, George of the Jungle is a god tier fucking movie. They all deserve so much better. Yes. George of the Jungle is fantastic. I will say we one of the first things that we reviewed on this podcast was Looney Tunes back in action and I remember being hard on it, but at the same time you like Brendan Fraser at least had his heart in it. That's uh, yeah, like, he did. His trivia, the trivia for this movie, uh, the number one thing is Brendan Fraser admits that he is ashamed of this film. <laughs> oh. Wait, he's ashamed of furry vengeance? Yes, of course. Good. Oh, good. Good, good for good. him. I don't blame good. him. Well, it's also so the, you know we're talking about Brendan Fraser, but there it is a good cast. Like Brooke Shields is his wife. Ken Jong is. The villain, Angela Kinsey from The Office, is also like a secondary villain. Rob Riggle has a bit part. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, that's uh, right. He was uh, in this. They Patrice wait- O'Neill, a few, I think this is, this might be a, I don't think it's a posthumous release. He dies right. a year later. There's He's a fucking Wallace Shawn cameo of all people. Yes. In this movie. And Al- um, you wouldn't believe it. You wouldn't believe it, but this was Rocket Raccoon's breakout role. <laughs> <laughs> I could, I'm just like, is this what Rocket was doing in the five years after the blip? Like, was he just going around <laughs> trolling random people and fucking with He was their looking lives? for hands to scan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, and uh, Billy Bush is. is oh, a Billy Bush, uh, Toby Hoss is Wilson, the, uh, the, the animal hunter, which I think is ironic considering that he played one of the fucking country bears. Oh. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was, I forget which one he was, but. And, and now he's going to be in the Weird Al biopic, so. Yes. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> it's not a kid's movie. When that comes out, you know that's going to be an episode of Kid Flex. Fun. You got to yes. have a song for that, man. Of course. Yeah. Well, I need I need to do a UHF episode. Um, yes. Uh, oh, man, yeah. 
Kit. I think I've mentioned it on the podcast, but I watched that movie so many times in a row when I rented it from Blockbuster that my parents had to like put it on a higher shelf so I couldn't <laughs> access it. <laughs> they couldn't have just returned it. Um, but uh, and also I because I always like to shout out uh, career voice actors. Uh, D. Bradley Baker plays every single yeah. animal. <laughs> I think they also. Uh, oh, sorry, he's great. No, yeah. that's it. Just he's Not great. Frank Welker, but... Also, this was the final role of Alice Dremond before her death in November 30th, 2016. And I'm just going to say, wow, and I thought Robin Williams' final film being absolutely anything was a massive letdown. Oh my Aww. god, that's right! God, that piece <sighs> of shit. <laughs> but we're talking about this piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, we could, we could talk about whatever piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've always noticed, I swear to god... When a movie star dies, their last movie just always seems to be such a huge disappointment. Like, at first I was about to say, you know, I think Carrie Fisher won in the end for being in The Last Jedi. But then I realized her true last movie was The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, Yeah. that's a shame. Here's another thing, too, uh, about Brooke Shields, because I remembered she was on a Disney Channel show, but I forgot which one specifically. Oh, I think I know. Yeah, according Uh, to IMDb. Brandon, Cra- Brandon Fraser's character screams out Miley Cyrus's name at one point That's in the right. film. Brooke Shields, who plays his wife in the film, played Miley Cyrus's mom on Hannah Montana. That's right. Holy yep, shit. Yep, that's what I was going to say. She was uh, Miley Stewart's dead mom. Which, by the way, when it came to that joke, did they accidentally predict Wrecking Ball because it's a giant ball of rock oh. rolling towards him? When he oh says my god. I think it would have been funnier if he had yelled sweet niblets. <laughs> <laughs> no, hey, no, you know if what? we really no. want to date this back to 2006, he would have screamed, Oh, Bob Saget! <laughs> <laughs> Rest in peace, King. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's also very weird that he just yells that, because especially, uh, like uh, you said, Tyler, earlier, that Steve Carell was nearly the star, and famously... In the forty-year-old virgin, when he's in pain, he yells Kelly Clarkson. So this is <laughs> this is a low point for uh, comedy. Where and we're still in this phase where it's just referential comedy. Where it's just yeah. I said a thing, get it, and that's it. Also, sorry, uh, I just remember this, and I have to point it out because uh, besides talking about voice actors, I always have to bring up Dick Van Dyke whenever possible. Yes, um, as Dick Van Dyke was announced to be in this movie. But he's he doesn't he's not in the final cut. I don't know uh, if he was ever announced to have a role in the movie or if they were just like, oh, we're gonna get Dick Van Dyke. Thank but wow. imagine having Dick Van Dyke on set and cutting him out of your movie, unless <laughs> to prevent him from uh, ex- uh, just having to be answering for this movie. Oh my god, it's like the drama with Anna de Armas being cut out of Yesterday. <laughs> oh, of course. So this we, is the exact all right, same here's thing. What we do. Yeah. We're gonna list all of the war crimes, but to the tune of Step in Time. Sleep deprivation, Step in Time. Sleep deprivation, Step in Time. <laughs> Covering in... Fi- I, did, I did relate to that sleep deprivation scene, though, because uh, I'm currently... Uh, I'm switching jobs right now, and oh, congrats! Uh, thank you. And so, part of my job currently, before I switch over, is uh, I have to wake up at like two thirty in the morning for my shift. Oh, and so every minute of sleep is precious. And if if a damn crow was crowing away doing his crow thing, I would be pretty peeved too. And no. I think yeah. he's justified. Here, okay, here, let's talk the morality of this movie how how much is 
Brendan Fraser's character, of course, Dan Sanders, to blame for all of what's happening. Nothing. He did nothing. Barely. Like, I get his worst. His worst crime in this movie was just being a yes man. But like, <laughs> I despise that this movie wastes such a cool premise of animals defending themselves. And basically, it could be such a great metaphor for climate justice and indigenous people getting their justice for their getting their land back. And instead, it's wasted on this horrid ass thing that should have been a 10 minute cartoon at most like oh the one time the one time indigenous americans do get mentioned it's like the most racist shit i've ever heard in my life like this shit that makes fucking peter pan look oh yeah i mean it's this this comes out in 2010 and it's a very interesting thing that i think the four of us especially have noticed being our age that there really has only been fair representation of native people for the past maybe three years like it's such a weird thing to see everybody be like this was wrong and we're like yeah it is randy are you talking about the uh the scene where ken jiang is like oh i have an idea let's make the forest party indian theme oh and then the lady starts like just doing all of these like fucking like stereotypes and shit like you, you guys ever saw the video of that math teacher doing the Sokotoa thing? That's and, like, what I was thinking a, of. Wearing like a feather head, a feather headdress, oh and like God. dancing around mocking Native American people, like in the year 2021. Yeah, that shit. Yeah. That's what the sh- that's what this shit was. I despise <laughs> that this movie is making me root for a real estate guy. That's plan, but I mean, even though he wasn't that involved, it feels like this is propaganda of the sorts, and I don't know if it's for PETA or for someone who actually wants the environment destroyed. It's this it's just movie. Shitty. This fucking movie is PETA's wet dream. Yep. Prove me wrong. I did not. I did not ever think I would ever say the words eco-fascist propaganda, but that's here what we this are. Is. This was the first. Listen, we are all very staunch animal rights activists. But this was the first movie where I actually thought to myself, you know what? I really want these humans to say, you know what? Animals are fucking horrible. They want us dead. Let's just fucking do away with them. Have it end like that episode of South Park where the rainforest is evil and they're like, it's it's a place <laughs> called the rainforest that really sucks ass. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes it's okay to say that animals are assholes because sometimes they are. Yeah, we're gonna I mean, put an this... apartment complex there. We're gonna put a Walmart here. And also, Dan Sanders... Like, he gets so frustrated and angry at the animals, but, like, he doesn't really ever kill them. Like, he doesn't really try until the very end when he's, like, uh, he nearly kills the raccoon. And he's like, you know what? I'm I'm not going to stink this level. And then the raccoon immediately attacks him. And I'm like, come on, guys. It literally bites him on the dick. Tiniest, tiniest, tiniest bit of credit I can give this movie is they didn't give any of the animals obnoxious celebrity voices like Zookeeper or something. Yeah, but no, we do get that fucking all that... nightmare scene Yeah, oh, all the my fucking God. shitty CGI animals dancing to fucking Le Freak by Sheik. Wait, which, that by wasn't the real? Way, which, by the way, how much money has Sheik made on that song being in, sh- in so many shitty kids' movies? Oh, man, he must be swimming in royalty, so good for him, I guess. <laughs> and not even that... There's a fucking ELO song in this movie, too, Don't Let Me Down, which... God damn it! 
don't don't do that to ELO. How strapped? How strapped for cash was Jeff Lynn for this piece of shit? Thank <laughs> God for Guardians Volume Two doing justice to him. Also, hot take. Yes. Also, hot take. Don't let me down. Kind of sucks. Yeah, I think I'm it's, sorry, it's, but it's, it's ELO, so eh. it's already just the most average generic sounding music and i love like 80s like synthy stuff but i can't even really get behind elo that much there are just so many better elo songs to love though is the thing and i know it's easy to joke about bad cgi in these movies but how the fuck did the rendering look that that terrible yeah Yeah. it, it it's a thing that like the budget of this movie isn't huge like it was 36 35 million dollars which that's relatively small, but also like it's 2010 and like Avatar came out the same year as this. And uh, they must have, I think they lost faith in this movie so quickly after they started working on it that they're like, let's just bang it out. We'll, if it goes in theaters, we'll be happy. But yeah. there, are two, be, there are two types the of, there are two types of CGI in this movie. Uh, accentuating the animal's expressions with really bad, like, fucking eye-bulging gags, Uh, or just horrible CGI animals that don't fit anywhere on screen. That bear on the poster looks fucking horrifying. Good lord. Yeah, there's, there's a scene earlier on, there's a scene early on in the movie where the animals get together, and it's like a whole group shot. None of these animals look like they're in the same fucking room, they all look like fucking PS2 graphics. Yep. <laughs> Who wants a PS2 graphic? I I feel like they literally just borrowed these animal models from those, like, Cabela's hunting games there, for the PS2. There were three laughs I got in this movie. Three. Oh, by the oh. way, I will, die, I will die on the hill that those Cabela hunting games are actually really good. Sorry, Kit. No worries, no worries. No, you're good. There were three jokes that made me laugh in this entire fucking movie. Three. One was the fucking Wii U, was the Wii joke, just because it was so stupid. <laughs> Number two was Alistair Mon going on and on about the pine cones with Rook Shields. And number three. Oh, yeah, that was kind of funny. Was the <laughs> it's a lady. Was the it's a beautiful morning scene, but that was more of a satisfied laugh. Yes. I I'm, yes. It, um, there was just I know it's not supposed to be a good thing, but the way this movie plays it off is that they even they subtly know that these animals are fucking horrible, and now that they're being caged and sh- shipped away, like I I don't know. I feel like a horrible person for laughing at that, and we're probably gonna get canceled. But <laughs> also another sin that this movie had, they. Okay, so one of the things that I find joy in in any movie is just throwing a cheap dummy across the room and switching to the regular actor. It's one of the best fits of comedy ever. The Muppets perfected it and fucking prefresh. Tell me how you can make a fucking dummy shot as soulless and unfunny as possible. Good Just put it in fucking furry vengeance. For context- for context, there's a scene where the where the animals tie Toby Huss's character up to the top of a car, and he flies off of it and flies into, like, a fucking trash can. But the dummy they use, I don't even think I can call it that, because it looks like it's just a fucking log with his clothes on it. They just, th- did, they just push it into a trash can, and it looks so wrong and disjointed. It's the Sebastian puppet getting thrown in Little Mermaid's Island all over. It's just, how do you ruin a joke like that? 
How? It's the most easy, brainless form of comedy. You can't fuck it up. Just throw the thing and our monkey brains laugh at it. (laughs) And they fucked it up. Just put some clothes on a potato sack, stick a basketball with a wig on it, and you're set, you know? Perfect. Also, you can tell this was also made in the early to mid-2000s because they have a dramatic chipmunk joke. Wait, I, I missed that. What the fuck? It was at the beginning. They do like the turn with the... F- I know it's like a prairie dog, actually, but you know you Classic. get it at this point. <laughs> yeah. So do we want to talk about the plot, quote unquote? Um, which plot? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, I think I could I can summarize it in like 10 seconds. So... Uh, Brendan Fraser, uh, like, is asked to help develop this, uh, uh, you know, plant community in t- and tear down these woods in the process. And the animals catch wind and they're like, no, because they had already kind of driven and killed the last real estate person. So they're like business as usual. <laughs> it, it, uh, it's basically yeah, the, it same, literally, the, it's movie the same literally thing starts open season and uh, yeah. over the hedge. Like it is. For- for context, the movie literally starts off with, I believe this is the Rob Riggle bit, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah so Rob Riggle plays this fucking over-the-top evil executive who literally screams at the top of his lungs, I do what I please! When he's driving around in his fucking car, and then the animals fucking drive him off a cliff, and he somehow survives it to say that he'll quit. And, good lord... I just, what is there to say about this movie? Just, God. And there's also just, also speaking of actors who deserve way better, Brooke Shields deserves so much better, especially after doing this movie, because apparently her nose actually got fucking smashed because of the meat face scene. What? Yeah, apparently, yeah, hang on, let me pull up the Wikipedia page. Yeah, so for context for the listener, there's a scene where... Dan Sanders slowly goes batshit and he's putting up all these traps in his in his house in, in the front yard. And one of the traps, which is like a fucking meat cannon, goes loose and accidentally knocks knocks Brooke Shields off the fucking patio. Yeah. And which, she- not even gonna lie, it was kind of cathartic because her character kind of treats him like shit in this movie. She, yeah, she keeps being like, "You're not." I won't say you're crazy, and then she's like, "You're crazy." And he goes, "You said you wouldn't call me crazy." They okay, were so, so get he divorced. gets in the two near fatal accidents in this movie, and she says, "Dan, I'm sorry. You need to go to therapy." Fuck you. Good God! Like, how does at she... least when we talked about Son of the Mask, Trailer Howard's character was more so a victim of the shenanigans going on around her. Anyone who has to pretend to be in love with Jamie Kennedy is a victim. Let's be real. Exactly. <laughs> if you or a loved one has uh, had to fall in love with Jamie Kennedy, you may be entitled to financial compensation. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. And just... Also, I she did do a lot of shitty things in the movie, but also I felt bad for her because they just rope her into becoming the lead of the festival. So it's like, what the hell? <laughs> and there's also this stupid fucking subplot that comes out of nowhere where his son, who, yeah, he has the same name as me, haha, falls in love <laughs> with this girl and she ropes and she ropes him in by association and she... And she starts shit with him because she ropes him in with his father just by association 
When again, the worst thing he's doing is being a yes man to all these fucking corporate assholes. Good lord. And it's like that. And they try and try to make you buy this stupid fucking romance, even though all they do is yell at each other throughout the thing, which is doubly uncomfortable given that the actor for the kid turned out to be a piece of shit in real life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, who's the actor? Matt oh, Prokop. Ah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, Matt yeah, Prokop. Lo- look that up on your own time. It's it's not nice uh, and fun to read uh, about, but yeah, he has not worked in almost ten years as a result. Good. Good. <laughs> oh, that must be bad then. Yeah. 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 He's a, he's um, a real piece of shit. He is a real piece of shit. He's like the furry vengeance of actors in Furry Vengeance. (laughs) (laughs) Also, they do do a random Encino Man callback because they're showing a history of how the forest animals are are protecting their home. I thought this was a decent bit. Yeah. Yeah. It it was, but it raises questions. Are these all Dan's fucking ancestors or something? Sure, Because they're all characters played by... Brendan Fraser wearing like a fake mustache or fucking brown face at one point. Yeah. He somehow got talked uh, into that. And I will say it was satisfying seeing that pilgrim get punched. Fuck yeah. pilgrims. Yeah. Also, but like there was in that one scene I noticed where it's like, you know, they're, they're like, oh, everyone's tried to, you know, settle here. First cavemen. And then they jump immediately to pilgrims. Um, isn't there, like, another group of people who lived in North America that you might be missing? Hmm. Uh, no, I can't think hmm. of any. I mean, oh, in that boy. case, that was an actual fucking invader, so may- yeah. maybe that was their commentary. I don't know. So, yeah. let's talk about some of the torture Brendan Fraser goes through in this movie, because it's a lot. The entire movie, the end. Yes. Oh, real quick, I just want to say... The saber t- that, you know, fuck the rest of this movie, but the saber-toothed raccoon was kind of adorable. It was. Yeah, that's valid. The animals are cute when they're not plotting murder. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're cute when they're not fake talking or cartoonishing yeah. themselves. Or doing that, like, weird stereotypical chittering that everyone seems to think they do. Yeah, man. Yeah, so we talked about, we talked about the scene where... Uh, the crow keeps fucking with Brendan Fraser by knocking on the windows. And again, his wife somehow doesn't hear any of this. And it literally ends with the crow doing a fucking Nelson Muntz laugh. Because, because sure, why the I fuck mean, not? I know crows are, like, in real life smart enough to be assholes and play pranks, but they're also smart enough to know that when a giant human comes and screams at them, trying to grab at them and get them away... You don't go back to that house. Also, yeah, the, Bert... the crow. Yeah, oh, so sorry, Brendan So Brendan Fraser is trying to get the crow to go away. He's standing on the roof, and of course, this, this can only go one way. He falls off the fucking roof and somehow survives it. And his family's his like, Mom, I, I found him. Whackity schmackity. It, it doesn't deserve it. Let also, the, 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 also, the birds that are constantly shitting on the people in this movie, aren't birds shitting on people supposed to be good luck? Yeah, apparently if a bird poops on you, that's good luck. It's well, eventually there good is luck, good luck but... uh, when uh, everything works out and they decide to make 
the entire development into a national park and Dan becomes a, a park ranger. But he's also shitting on Ken Jeong's character and the lady helping him. And I'm like, you're just going to give those executives good luck too. <laughs> yeah, but then but then they all dance to Insane in the Membrane. Yay, yeah, that fuck, fucking yeah. piece of shit. They... I was so confused because I was like, yeah, this movie is bad. But also like, I could not believe that in the year of our Lord 2010, that was like, a choice for the end of the movie. And it's not I, even it. one of the better New Cypress Law. Hill songs either. That's it. New law. Dance party endings in movies are now punishable by death. Also, real quick, we need to, sh- before we wrap up, which we're getting close to, yes. we need to talk about the fucking jump scare. Oh, What God. the fuck was that? That fucking God. Uh, Brooke Shields is a were-raccoon? This comes after the dream sequence with with Brendan Fraser hallucinating all the animals dancing in his kitchen. So then he wakes up and he's like, Honey, honey, I had a really bad nightmare. Turns, a- She turns around. She has this horrifying half-raccoon makeup and she does like a high-pitched laugh. That has It's legitimately to be- unsettling. No, it's great. It's It's not awful. At all. I wonder I wonder how many kids ended up crying in the theater. I <laughs> all would have just I would have I nearly cried now watching that. What yeah. the fuck? <laughs> also Valid. Also the skunk scene. And the that fucking was really the, bad. I, the skunk I really scene and the that. fucking porta potty scene. There's Ugh. just so much of this movie. So much of this movie relies entirely on Brendan Fraser being covered in human excrement and piss and and that's what's really hard about this movie is like all this stuff happens to him but it's just like this happens and then this happens it's there's not like really a through line or a plot to connect at all besides he's getting more frustrated but also he was forced into this job and he like needs to do this and then there's a scene where the animals hotwire his car so that it crashes and nobody sees this when this is going on Despite the fact that he's in therapy and he can see everything, but his therapist doesn't. So we have two war crimes so far. Uh, The first one being sleep deprivation. The other one being chemical warfare. How many more are we going to get? Like, wouldn't they be able to see the animals during the fucking skunk car scene? Like, they were in there with him. Yeah, the skunk car scene, which culminates... And a bunch of, and which culminates in him taking a fucking tomato bath, and these birds are flying into his house, giving him his his wife's clothes. So we also have homophobia and transphobia. Good lord, in this piece that of fucking shit. scene. I do want those yum yum pants though. Oh, for oh, for the record, uh, turns out tomato juice doesn't work if you get skunked. <laughs> I want that yum yum pants to become a draw your OC. That should be the only legacy this movie ever has. Also, yes. my last note, my last note for this movie has it in the scene where Brendan Fraser is getting chased by the emu. Have you guys noticed that the shot that there's a shot that looks strikingly like the crop duster scene from North by Northwest? Yep. 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 Hell, this the- movie is. North by like Northwest is too of a good for this fucking shit. That's the thing where, like, they'll just put that in a movie for no reason, and it's so 
uh, divorced from any original meaning to it. It's both the North by Northwest scene to me, but also that scene from Family Guy that's been turned into a whatever you do, worst mistake of my life meme. <laughs> with yes. And also, and also Marge and her mom from The Simpsons in the, in the crop. That's in right. The, in, the, in the airplane episode. <laughs> this is a cornfield, honey. <laughs> I found out he was a he wasn't a pilot. <laughs> also, this movie wastes Samantha B. <sighs> Just you know, I don't know if I'd say this is worse than Son of the Mask because Son of the Mask actually actually both fucked up a franchise and basically has just so much shit to it. But this is still pretty fucking bad. Yeah, yeah, this it's is, no good. I think I think we can get to the final rating here, Ross. Yeah. Let's do it. So I have a reveal. Um, so I tried really hard. I could not watch this full movie. <laughs> I, I don't blame you. So I've nah, watched I watched I read the plot, I read fun facts, I watched all available clips, but because of this, I cannot in good conscience in good conscience rate the movie. So I'm going to allow the three of you to give your ratings, and they will be the official ratings of this episode. Yay! Horrible. So, so Tyler, what would you give uh, uh, Furry Vengeance on a scale of zero to five today? I'm going to give it, uh, if I remember correctly, I gave Son of the Mask a 0.5, so I'm going to give this a 0.6, just because it's almost as bad as Son of the Mask, but... It's just so hard to sit through. Right. Good lord. Who who is this movie for? Just I mean <sighs> with Son of the Mask, War criminals. you know, it's of course it's the bastardization of my comfort franchise, but again, this was an original concept that somehow lasted so many years in development hell. And we couldn't even get things like the fucking Guillermo del Toro movie out of Guillermo, the, the, the Guillermo del Toro Haunted Mansion movie out nope. of development hell. There is no justice in this world. 0.6. <sighs> okay. Just, man. All right. What are, what are you thinking, uh, Kit? I'm going to give it a one out of five because it is really fucking bad it's mostly at the least forgettable forgettably bad i'll give it that much and i can't quite say that i'll be remembering it after this but it was a painful sit it reminded me that goddamn brendan fraser deserves so much better and how much hollywood just treated him like shit for years but now he has stuff like doom patrol and uh i forget that other thing he's doing with uh Upcoming Leonardo Scorsese Di- 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 DiCaprio. movie. Yeah, no sudden move. Just oh, yeah. watch watch Looney Tunes back in action. Watch the Dudley Do-Right movie. That's actually a fun movie. And yes. yes. Most of all, most of all, watch George of the Jungle. Yes. That is the best movie he's done, bar none, in my opinion. Or if you want a good Looney movie. Looney Tunes or if you back wa- in action. Yes. Or if you want a good movie with forest animals taking back their land, watch Over the Hedge. You get a sweet-ass Ben Fold soundtrack. Yes! Exactly. It's a fantastic soundtrack. Exactly. God, I fucking love um, Ben Folds. And then finally, Randy, what would you rate uh, the movie today? It's not even worth me giving like a negative. It's just a zero. <laughs> That's a negative for plot. A negative rating would imply that, you know, I'm giving it effort in how much I hate it, and it's not worth it. So just <laughs> yeah. a plain old goose egg. Yeah. 
So, uh, uh, crunching the numbers, uh, the three of you are giving Furry Vengeance a score of 0.53 repeating, which is not the worst movie that we've reviewed. Funny enough, Son of the Mask <laughs> is still the lowest rated movie yes, that we've sir. discussed. Yes! Uh, Tyler, I am victorious! Yay, Tyler wins! I, have, I, have, I am continuing to make history on this show. Yay! Fantastic. So, Free Vengeance goes right in between uh, the 90s animated TV series reboot and the uh, atrocity of an animated film, Leo the Lion, about oh, a vegetarian God. lion. That oh. piece of shit. Yes. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, thank you, the three of you. This was a long time. We were coordinating a lot of different schedules. Yes. But thanks for coming finally. on, finally. Um, Yeehaw! Yeah, tell, tell, tell the good people about Channel KRT. Aww, All right, thanks. so Channel KRT is a show that's pretty similar to this, actually. It's a show where we talk about obscure, nostalgic media, We've talked about everything from, of course, Beast Bo's Adventures to fucking VeggieTales quite recently, actually. <laughs> you can find us on Twitter at channel underscore KRT, channel KRT podcast, all one word on Instagram. We also have a Discord server and a Facebook group, which we have in our link tree, which you can find in all of our social media bios. You can find us, you can find the show basically anywhere and of course, listen to our episode of, of on Beast Bo's Adventures with Frost because that was easily one of my favorite episodes that we've ever done. So, Tyler, I think you're false advertising. Can you find Channel KRT in the Paris catacombs? <laughs> I mean, if you looked hard enough. Okay, yeah. But as for personals, you can just find me on Twitter at TylerFG, Instagram at TylerFG96, and that's about it. You can find me over on Mission Breakout on Twitter and Discord. You can find me on various episodes of Escape from Vault Disney, The Emperor's New Podcast, Podcast Without a Cool Acronym, which we recently did an episode with talking about Bluey. You can find... Great show, 10 out of 10. Yes. And you can also find me trying to... Excuse me. You can find me going full Jack-Jack and Incredibles 2 on that raccoon. (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Uh... Oh, yeah, you can find me um, on all those other wonderful podcasts pretty much as well. You can find me on Twitter at Cosmic Rewind, replace the E with a three. You can find me on both. You can find me on YouTube by the same name. And you can find me on TikTok as Dale Earnhardt's persona. And you can find me making an actually good furry vengeance. It's made out of that actually stars a bunch of furries. Finally doxing all those 4chan encyclopedia dramatic assholes and... uh, don't forget Kiwi Farms. Oh, and oh. Kiwi Farms and committing war crimes on them. Yay! <laughs> oh, uh, well, that is all for today. We will hear you in a fortnight and go, go, Gadget, end show. <laughs>